0: Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I am Molly Nelson, host of the podcast, and I'm here with Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner, certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. Also, It's not an official title, but Lauren, I suspect we could put um, Stock Market Watcher in there. I think you've been watching what's going on. Volatility is on the rise. What's what's happening, Lauren?
1: I pay attention to the stock market a little bit, (laughs) Molly. Yeah, sure. So you could probably say I do watch the market (laughs) a little bit. Yes, I think it's part of your job. Yeah, and what's happening? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that are happening, and this is... One of the biggest talking topics, this is one of the topics that everybody wants to talk about right now because every time you turn on the news, you hear about the stock market. Every time you look at your 401k plan or your IRA, you see something that you don't want to see, which is your portfolio is probably significantly down. And for those of you who are really close to retirement, that can be really concerning because all you're thinking about is you've been working a really long time. You're probably getting tired of working, which is why you're close to retirement. And now you're thinking, can I actually do it? Can I actually pull the trigger on retiring and still afford the lifestyle that you've grown accustomed to and still not have to worry about running out of money before you run out of time?
0: After a wild week, you might be wondering, when will it end? Can I retire? How does it impact my portfolio? And should I be making changes? So today, we're going to talk about the current swings and three investment strategies that will help you weather the storm. So big swings last week. The Federal Reserve, it starts with a rate increase by the Federal Reserve, right? So then the Dow drops 1,000 points on Thursday. Friday, the S&P 500 finishes at its lowest since May 19th of 2021. And then the NASDAQ also at its lowest finish since November 25th of 2020. You talk to people, you you, you talk on the phone, you do these 15-minute checkup calls, you talk to the clients, the families and individuals that we work with. What are people saying? What's the sentiment when they see these kinds of
1: headlines? Well, nobody really likes it, but there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uncertainty about why things are taking place, the way things are taking place in the market. And the biggest one is when are things going to get better? Or, I guess, how bad is it going to get? That's really what people want to know. How bad is it going to get, and when are things going to get better, and how is it going to impact them and what it is that they're trying to do from a retirement planning standpoint? So, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of crazy things taking place right now. Uh, the Fed has indicated that it's going to continue to increase interest rates, so that will continue to have a downward pull on the market, at least on a temporary basis. Uh, one of the other biggest issues is we're still having supply issues and you, again you turn on the news you hear about the supply chain struggles uh, supply chain struggles have we've been ta- have been taking place since 2020 with the uh, onset of covid and it it's probably going to continue to take place for quite some time uh, there's a lot of things taking place right now in china china is shutting down manu- major manufacturing cities so that's not helping them produce more goods and then shipping goods to to the united states Um, so there's a lot of downward drag or things that are taking place that is having a downward drag on the market and it's probably going to continue to be, or we're probably going to experience this type of volatility for some time, at least probably through the, the end of this year.
0: Yeah. When I read some of the articles, you know, market watch, Bloomberg, CNN, whichever one you like to look at, I'm never confident or I never feel good, Lauren, when I see teams like terms, like the fear gauge the fear gauge, which is actually another word for the VIX. So of course there's all these, you know, you can you could spend an entire day looking at all of the historical stuff that is out there, but the basics are market volatility is not new.
1: It's not new. You're, yeah, you're the fear gauge, you're talking about the mighty VIX. This is something that technical uh, stock pickers really like to refer to because it is a measurement of how volatile the stock market is. And when we say volatile stock market, we mean how steep are the ups and how steep are the downs when the market moves either up or down. Uh, st- volatility is not new. We've seen a lot of volatility, 2020, obviously. I mean, you you just referenced the S&P being down 1,000 points in 2020. You might remember in a single day, the S&P 500 was down, or I'm sorry, the Dow Jones was down over 3,000 points. Uh, it was not an uncommon phenomenon during the course of March, April, and even May for the Dow Jones to be down 2,000 points or 1,000 points or e- even be up a 1,000 or 1,500 points. That's volatility. Uh, the VIX measures that, and in 2008, Uh, We saw a ton of volatility, just like what we're seeing, uh, actually even worse than what we're seeing now, and uh, pretty similar to what we saw in 2020. So all all it is is a measurement of how much the market's moving on an up-and-down basis, and it can be an indicator of where we're going to go long-term. But I think what's more important is it's an indication of how how nervous people are. And uh, when the, when we see these big moves in the market on a day-to-day basis, it does create a lot of anxiety, especially for those who are close to retirement and really dependent upon this money in, in the near term to provide a lifestyle that they're, they've grown accustomed to.
0: Yeah. And that's when the sell-offs can start, right? So some of this starts with supply chain and things that are going on with these companies, but then it can move to an emotional space so I think I would want to break this down in two ways. First question I would have for you is what can I do right now based on the current environment? And then I think what we can get into after that is, okay, knowing market volatility is, is, is a normal thing. How can I construct my portfolio? How can I plan for my retirement building in some of this market volatility. So should we start with the current environment? Let's say you're looking at this right now. You don't like what you're seeing. What can you do right now?
1: Well, I think the number one thing to do right now is, is kind of goes hand in hand with what you just referenced, which is the emotionality of investing, which is a really hard thing to do. I mean, when you log into your account and you see it's down by 30% or 20% and you're so near to retirement, it's very easy to become emotional about that. That's hard earned money. And if you, if you have a if you had a million-dollar portfolio and now you have 800000 that's a $200,000 decrease in your portfolio. And all you're thinking about is how long did it take you to make that 200000 And here within, within a four-month, five-month period of time, that just kind of evaporated. So it's very easy to get caught up from an emotional standpoint in those movements. But one of the things that we have to keep in mind is when we take risk and the market is down, your portfolio is going to be down. And one of the things that can help us disconnect at least a little bit on an emotional standpoint is to have a plan. And that plan will tell you, here's what your retirement is going to look like. Here's how you construct a portfolio to negate the volatility of a market. We Uh, Should not be surprised when markets go down. We don't always know the cause right away of why the market's going down, but we do know that markets have always gone down and they will continue to always go down in the future. So we have to, as a part of your plan, we have to provide a portfolio that is going to insulate you from these these inevitable downturns and not only insulate you, but also have strategies in place that will help you take advantage of them. And so inevitably, when the market does come back up, you're going to be in a better position than you were when the market started going down. And more importantly, it's going to help you disconnect emotionally because you do have strategies in place that not only will insulate you from the market downturns, but will also allow you to uh, benefit from them and still provide the income that you want when it is that you want to retire. So if you are retired, one of the biggest drivers of your day-to-day lifestyle is going to be the income that you're driving from your portfolio. And when your portfolio is down 20%, that can create some anxiety and some uh, even technical issues within the portfolio and the ability of your portfolio to continue to drive drive that income. Uh, And the plan helps insulate you from that. And then that can also help you kind of calm the nerves as we go through these bad times in the market.
0: Yeah. And I hear you saying what I can do to prepare for market volatility, but I'm going to, I'm going to push back just a little bit here and say, if I'm looking at my portfolio right now, today, I just logged on maybe before I listened to this, or I'm going to get on right, right when we get off with this conversation and I see it's down a percentage I don't feel comfortable with. What can I do today? Are, am I hearing you say stay the course or do you not quite want to go that far because it's so situational?
1: Well, I'm here, I here. what I'm saying is it's not too late to have a plan uh, because if if this was December of 2021 and we haven't seen the, the downturn that we saw this year, having a plan would have helped prevent some of the issues that you're having right now. But it's not December of 2021. This is May of 2022 and the indices are down. Substantially. But having a plan will help you navigate through the rest of whatever is going to take place and can help you come out of it and put yourself in a better place. That plan is going to be situational, it's going to be very intentional to your situation, what you're trying to accomplish. How many years left do you have before you want to retire? Are you already retired? What kind of portfolio do you have? Do you have a pension? Do you have Social Security? How much money do you need to take out of the portfolio? Uh, if you're retired, how much money do you think you're going to need to take out a portfolio when you do retire? And having details around all of that in a written format will help you whether uh, your portfolio is down 20% right now and you're kind of wondering what to do or you have insulated yourself from this downside at least a little bit and your portfolio is significantly in a better place than the 20% down.
0: So maybe before you make any knee-jerk decision, sell off, go to cash. Good idea to talk to a professional. Bounce it off of someone who has knows about the historic volatility of the market. Might have some insight. So a good thing to do could be to schedule a retirement checkup call. You can go to merkelretire.com right now, schedule a complimentary retirement checkup call. And Lauren, that'd be a good place to start to kind of have, you know, again, that professional advice to go, yes, I understand emotionally, this is hard to see, but here's some insight into what you're seeing, why you're seeing it. And how does this match up with, again, maybe you're looking at your 401k, but if you also have, some other investments, we have to take that into account before you make any moves on a 401k.
1: Yeah. The benefit of working with somebody, whether it's us or another retirement planner, is you're kind of offsetting some of the um, some of the emotion of the downturn of your portfolio to somebody else. And you're saying, okay, uh, part of the reason I'm paying you is to help me through this, to help uh, kind of offset some of the pain that I otherwise experience, And then also help me make decisions that are in my best interest. And this is kind of what you were getting at before Molly, which I didn't quite take your bait. (laughs) That never
0: happens. We've only been doing this like six years together. How uh, how can you not take the the bait? I'm throwing you a softball here, a a home run. It
1: wasn't a softball. I thought it was a fishing hook. You're trying to to hook me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but what's, yes, and part of the, the benefit of having somebody on your on your team is to help prevent you from making decisions that you're going to regret down the road. Every single time we go through a time like this in 2020, 2008, 2001, 2003, uh, it's very easy for people to say, to heck with this stock market. I'm out. I am out. Uh, and I'm going to wait until things get better, and then I'm going to get back in. And that is one of the worst things that most people could do uh, because the hardest part about making this decision is not, okay, I'm going to sell and I'm going to cut my losses. It's when am I going to buy and get back in. And when you want to get back in is when the world is better, uh, when the world feels a lot better. And the problem is is that you've you've realized the losses that you've already experienced and then the market probably will continue to go down. But at some point, it's going to come back up, but it's not going to feel really good when the market starts to come back up. Uh, The world's still going to feel really messy. um, and, And so most likely, and usually what happens is the market shoots back up, the world still feels really messy and you don't get back in when we when you probably should have.
0: And technically, when you want to get back in when the stocks are at their lowest price so you could buy the most amount and then just really ride that upside. So here's what I want, Lauren. I want you to tell me when this thing's going to hit rock bottom so I can really just start buying
1: yeah i mean (laughs) ideally that's exactly what we want to do right we we want to we want to buy at the lowest and we want to sell at the highest i've heard that before yeah the problem is is that nobody really knows when the lowest and the highest is going to be and the problem with these these bad times of the market is nobody really knows how bad it's going to get uh nobody knows uh in in 2020 uh most people didn't realize or think that it was probably going to shoot back up starting in april um, and it wasn't until the summertime or even the fall time where those who did go to cash in the spring decided they were going to get back in. Well, the market had already substantially recovered and is well on its way to having a fantastic year in the market. So nobody really knows how bad it's going to get, and again, the, the market is predictive, and so, even when you turn on the news and the world still feels really messy, the market is has already shot back up. The problem is, is that there's a lot of people out there saying, "Yeah, the market has recovered a little bit, but it's the pain's not over, and and we're the market's going to shoot back down." Well, eventually, the market's not going to shoot back down; it's just going to keep going back up. But you haven't got back on the on the market train to take advantage of of the uptick in the market.
0: And as I hear you talking about the market. It's reminding me of the conversations that we've had over the years, um, the YouTube videos that we've done, the, the other podcasts we've done about taxes, because sometimes I think if you don't have a tax plan, and I think this also is parallel with a plan for stock market volatility, you feel like you're just a victim to it. Taxes are something you know someone else sets that I have to pay, and it's just one of those things I I've, I've just have to, quote unquote, be a victim to. And I think maybe sometimes people think stock market's the same way. I can't control it. It's controlled by factors outside of me. It's just something I can't control. No, you can't control yourself tax rates. No, you cannot control yourself what happens to the stock market. But your portfolio, your retirement savings, your retirement vision does not have to be a victim to everything that's happening with these outside forces.
1: Yeah, it's easy to have that victim mentality, but you're exactly right. We can't control the stock market. We can't control what our Congress does with, with uh, tax legislation, but we can, to a large degree, control how our portfolio reacts to the market when it goes up and when it goes down. And that's what I was referring to when I was talking about a plan, is make sure that you are taking the appropriate amount of risk for you, And there's a lot of factors that will go into defining exactly what is the appropriate amount of risk for you. It's going to be uh, the time horizon that you have. It's going to be uh, your emotional appetite for the volatility that we do see in the market. It's going to be how much income you need to produce a lifestyle, what kind of resources you have. There's a lot that goes into it. But this is, this is not a time to take a passive approach to your retirement plan. You can have some passive approaches in your investment style, but not in your retirement plan. You need to be very intentional. There needs to be a purpose around each bucket of your money. You need to make sure you're truly diversified in all the right ways. And by taking that type of an approach, you can very deliberately insulate yourself from this type of investment volatility that we're seeing right now.
0: Okay, so we promised people three strategies, kind of three takeaways that can help you prepare for market volatility, or even weather the storm that that, that you're seeing right now in the market. So strategy one, build a solid foundation of assets. What does that mean?
1: Well, and this coincides right right uh, really well with what I was just talking about with having an appropriate bucket strategy. Uh, one of the buckets in your portfolio should be a foundational bucket, which means that it's it's going to be guaranteed or very very conservative which means that regardless of what happens with this crazy stock market you know it's not going to go down or it's not going to go down hardly at all and it's think about it as the foundation to your house everything sits on the top of that foundation the foundation is your most solid sturdy feature of the house because everything else is sitting on top of it and um the longevity of everything else is dependent upon the quality of that foundation.
0: Is that generally then things outside of the stock market? Is that a bank, money in the bank, or what does that mean?
1: Yeah, it's going to be outside the stock market. It could be alternative investments like like guaranteed annuities. It could be CDs at a bank. It could be savings account, money markets. Uh, It's just something that you know is going to be there regardless of what happens with the stock market. So it's not going to be invested in the stock market.
0: Second strategy, avoid emotional responses. I know we've talked about this a lot, but let's dig in a little bit to risk analysis because I know when you sit down with families and individuals, a lot of things are happening. After you talk to them about their retirement vision, their lifestyle plan, that's where we start everything. Uh, just in case you're wondering, well, what's a lifestyle plan? I've never heard a financial advisor or retirement planner talk about that. Go to YouTube, search Merkle Retirement Planning. We've done a video on lifestyle planning. It'll, it'll, I think, excite you about retirement because it's where we start with families. We say, hey, what do you want to do with your time? Then we work into all this financial and investment stuff. So that's the fun place to start. But let's talk about emotional responses, not only retirement vision, that's an emotional piece of it, but let's talk about how you talk to people about risk, because risk is an interesting conversation that you've had with people over the last 20 years, and and how they view risk really varies.
1: Yeah, it certainly does vary, and I think we've been conditioned over the years to talk about risk in a very subjective way. I mean, if you've had an an advisor in the past, uh, or if you are an advisor, it's very tempting to talk about risk in the terms of... Uh, I am conservative, or I am moderate. I am an aggressive investor, or even even when you're talking to your coworkers or your friends, you probably characterize yourself in one of those ways. I'm, I'm real, I want to be really aggressive, or uh, I, I'm afraid of what's going to take place in the stock market, so I want to make sure I'm really conservative. Well, those terms mean something different to everybody. So Molly, if I'm telling you I'm a really aggressive investor. What does that mean to you?
0: I'm thinking athletics here. Sorry, I just can't help. I'm like, some people are like, yeah, I'm really aggressive on the basketball court. And then I played against it and I'm like, that is not throwing an <laughs> elbow. That was not aggressive. Let me show you aggressive. So yes, of course, right. one person can think they're aggressive and then you play them and you're like, that's not my idea of aggressive. I assume it works out. <laughs> yeah, there's way. no
1: real true definition around what that word actually means and what it means to you is uh, is probably some, uh, means something different to me. So when we have our conversations with our families about, how do you want your portfolio to be invested? There's a couple things that go into that. One is it's our job to say, here's how much risk you need to take to accomplish your goals, right? So we've already had the conversation. We've already built the plan to some degree of here's here's where you're at. Here's where you want to be. Here's what it's going to take to get you there from a risk standpoint. So we set this this minimum amount of risk, if you will, of you say here's where you're at. You say you want to be here. Here's what it's going to take to get you there uh, from an overall risk standpoint. Uh, and then we talk about if you have a million dollar portfolio and we go through a really bad cycle in the market, which we know is at some point is going to happen, uh, kind of like a 2008. So if, we, if you have a million dollars, we go to another 2008, your portfolio based on how it's invested right now will lose $300,000. How do you feel?
0: I don't think I like that.
1: Nobody does. Okay, good. I, th- does. I was
0: like, that feels like a lot. Because, but I Because
1: <laughs> nobody likes their portfolio right. to go down. I
0: don't want to lose a dollar, though, it's, you know, but risk. That's, that's
1: right. Risk-reward. You don't want to lose a dollar. You certainly don't want to lose $300,000. But when you take some risk, you know that it's going to be down. It's just a matter of how much is it going to be down. And that's really what we're trying to narrow in on is what is your comfort level uh, from, from a down standpoint, from a portfolio down standpoint. Is it 300,000? Are you comfortable with, with it being down 300,000? Are you comfortable with it being down 200,000, 100,000? Where is that? But we talk about it in the form of dollars because you know what 300,000 means. I know what 300,000 right. means. Right. Everybody's on the same page of if we invest the portfolio like this, And when we go through a really poor market, this is how the portfolio is going to react.
0: That takes away the surprises, though, too, for for the stuff we're talking about, you know, that we've recently seen. At least when you log on, you have an expectation of what you're going to see inside that 401k. It's not a surprise.
1: Surprises are great for Christmas. (laughs) Christmas and birthdays. Yes, I agree with that. It is not great when you log on to your life savings. No. And you think it could be down 10%, but it's really down 25%. Heartbre-
0: that, that could be heartbreaking,
1: this, literally. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the ways to insulate yourself from making poor emotional decisions is to make sure that the expectations of how your portfolio will react in a downturn are aligned with reality. And so we spend a lot of time in our conversation saying... If we invest your portfolio like this, here's how we would anticipate the portfolio to react when we go through the next downturn. With your portfolio currently invested, how it's invested, here's what we would expect. Here's how we would expect your portfolio to react when we go through the next downturn. That way, everybody's on the same page. So when we meet with somebody for the first time. We're developing their retirement plan. These are conversations we have. Most of the time, the expectations of what they think is going to happen with their portfolio is misaligned with what really will take place with their portfolio. They're either taking too much risk, uh, more risk than what they thought they were going to take. That's typically what we see. Sometimes they're taking less risk than what they thought, but either way, it's good that you know again, to align the expectations to make sure what is going to happen to your portfolio when we go through really bad times in the market actually takes place.
0: Do these conversations only focus on the downturns or do you sometimes show me, hey, here's your million dollar portfolio. If the Dow Jones is up so much, here's what happens. Because I I like that conversation better.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you asked that because... The way that we talk about this, it's not just like you and I sitting across the table talking about it. We actually show you. So we use technology to, to say, here's your million-dollar portfolio. Here's this bucket of money. Here's how it would react. Here's this bucket of money. Here's how it would react and, and so forth. But then here's the total portfolio in its aggregate, and here's how it would react. And, yes, we do show the upside as well. Oh, good feel. <laughs> we focus on the downside, but we do show the upside. And from our standpoint, our philosophy is, is, hey, let's take the least amount of risk that we can to accomplish what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And then once we identify what that risk is, let's shoot for the highest reward for that amount of risk. And there's a couple of ways we can do that. One is by creating efficient portfolios. In most portfolios, there's so many hidden fees, it takes away from the return. So you could be taking an X amount of risk but you may not be getting or have the potential to receive your maximum return for that risk because there's hidden fees or uh, overlap in the actual investments that you own. So our philosophy is, hey, let's, let's take the minimal amount of risk to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, and then let's make your portfolio as efficient as possible with the least amount of overlap to provide the maximum return for that risk.
0: And again, I have to imagine seeing those numbers on a screen It takes, again, some of the emotion out of it and also shows you, hey, I am going to get to that goal. You know, this portfolio is going to last until I'm 90 or 100 or whatever projection makes sense for the individual or couple that you're working with.
1: What we learned over the years is everybody learns a little bit differently. And some people are very visual in the way they learn. Some people just they don't need the visuals. They don't want the visuals. They just want to have a conversation and and receive the information. So disseminating the information verbally in a conversation format, but also having that visual there, I think is really important.
0: And strategy number three, identify your income needs. And this really drives the comprehensive retirement plan, but definitely that investment portion of the plan.
1: And and it also helps uh, with the emotionality of investing as well, because when it, what, And this is uh, true no matter whether you're in the retirement phase taking income, you're in the retirement phase not taking income from your portfolio yet, or you're in the pre-retirement phase looking to take income from your portfolio soon, when you have an outlined income plan where you can see here's how much money you need on a month-to-month year-to-year basis. Here's specifically where you're going to receive that income from. Here's the short-term impact that that has on your portfolio. Here's the long-term impact which most people are really concerned about that. Right. The short term is easy to see, right? Sure. You're going to take $2,000 a month from a $500,000 portfolio. It's long t- the long-term impact that's a lot harder for people to visualize and that is also part of the benefit of having that physical written plan. As you can see, you're going to receive X amount of money from these sources and this is the impact that it's going to have long-term. It's going to work really, really well. And that will help with these types of times in the market because you will see, based on all of your strategies put together, that when this market performs poorly, you're still going to have enough money in your portfolio to derive the income that you want which means you're still going to be able to live the lifestyle that you want to. And that's a really important takeaway. There's not one retiree, one pre-retiree yet that I've met that says, that have told me that they want their lifestyle to go up and go down with the stock market. Nobody wants to live like that. But yet most pre-retirees and retirees who don't have a plan, their portfolio is invested like that, which means that their income, the income that they derive, well, they, they really only have two options. One is to have their income go up and down with the stock market, which means their lifestyle most likely will, or they're going to run out of money significantly sooner than what they had planned, which is not good for anybody no. as well.
0: So you've referenced the written plan. I think it's worth telling people that a written comprehensive plan is part of what uh, the retirement planners at Merkle Retirement Planning put together for each family or individual that we work with. So that written plan includes six components. They're the six things that we talk about on the podcast, our YouTube channel. So today was mostly focused on investments in the stock market. You can go to YouTube, search Merkle Retirement Planning, M-E-R-K-L-E Retirement Planning to learn about the other components and more about the written plan, how we write down each component inside the plant and a plan for how each component is... You, you see what I'm trying to say here?
1: <laughs> There's a lot of components. Yeah, that was
0: a co- I mean, it, for the people that can't visualize it, it, it is written down. There's different tabs. It's all there. How am I going to pay for health care? What's my long-term tax plan? What What were we going to do with our portfolio again? And for some people, they like to reference that. They like to have it written down because they understand. That there's a lot of transparency, I guess, in Lauren, in that plan. Well,
1: and the, the retirement planning concept is a foreign concept to most people because most people think that the retirement plan is the investments. And and it's what happens to the 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 portfolio when the markets are up and what happens to the portfolio when the market's down. That's what we've always been taught. But when you get to see your written retirement plan, you start to realize there's so much more to this retirement planning than just the investments. And by the way, it's kind of an intuitive experience as you go from the pre-retirement years to the working years, because you realize you have to make different decisions than what you've ever had to make before. And you start to really see the benefit of having those decisions in written format in your plan. So when it comes time for you to decide, should you be taking Social Security at 62? You know you can. You know it's an option, but should you, you have 81 different options of, of what to elect when it comes time to take your Social Security. And when you see it written out in your plan of what if you take Social Security at 62? Here's the long-term impact what if you wait till 64 here's a long term impact what if you use one of these combination strategies if you happen to be married how does that impact you short term long term once you get to see that then all of these difficult decisions do become much easier and there's a there's a a growing vast appreciation for having a written plan because it is becoming much more common people are starting to realize there's so much more to retirement planning than just the investments and they're starting to realize in uh, in a big way the impact the positive impact that a plan can have
0: that time you took my bait beautifully
1: sometimes i cooperate you
0: explained mind. the the written plan so much more eloquently than i could i think we're ready to go fishing the let's weather's go. getting warmer we're going to reel in a big one
1: let's, let's go fishing.
0: okay we're going to develop not only retirement plans but maybe a plan to go fishing at some point And if you want to schedule a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call, that's Merkelretire.com, M-E-R-K-L-E, retire.com. We'll continue talking about all of the aspects of retirement on this podcast. It's retiring today. Subscribe and tell a friend. Thanks for listening.